if you're inviting someone to a party, you're really missing the opportunity. The best thing to do is put them on the party planning committee, help them create the space. I think there's a lot of conversation about the pipeline right now, and that's great, but what we really need to do is create a sense of belonging for lots of different types of backgrounds and experiences and perspectives, because that's what's going to inform the work and make the work better. Welcome to Created for Creatives, the podcast where creatives talk about, well, creative. I'm Chris Smith, your host. In this episode, we're talking creative data use and transformative business impact. That sounds like a very big deal. It's one of the categories at this year's London International Awards, and I'm talking to two of the jurors judging that category. Hello, everyone. My name is Ben Tarr. I am the president of Leo Burnett Canada. As you'll probably tell from the accent, I didn't originate from Canada, but I've been there 17 years, so maybe you won't know where my accent's from. It's a little wonky. I've been at Leo Burnett now for four years as president. I also have the privilege of working with the Canadian Down Syndrome Society, where I sit on the board and do a bunch of the marketing work with them as well, which has been great. So thanks for having me, and good to be hanging out. Hey, Kwame Taylor-Hayford, co-founder of a company called Ken, based in Brooklyn, New York, Los Angeles, our whole thing is moving brands, advancing society through culture. 2022 feels like there's sort of a shift towards optimism. You know, we're kind of slowly getting back to normal, or as close to normal as we can get coming out of the pandemic and everything. And everybody, you know, after 2020, which, you know, there's so much upheaval in society and everything, and we're all kind of working towards greater representation, my own agency, everybody's agency. You know, we're just trying to be more inclusive, more inclusive voices, more inclusive work more inclusive cast. What are your agencies or networks doing to, to sort of push that? We're doing a ton of work that I'm super proud of at Burnett Toronto in the DEI space that maybe isn't yet focused on the work, but the organizational dynamics and the changes that we're making will have an impact. And so some of the things I'm very proud of, we started a black pencil fund, black pencil being the Leo Burnett famous pencil yes. geared towards scholarships for diverse communities. And so, you know, a lot of the amazing education that people have to go through to get into advertising, certainly in Canada, like the OCADs, the Miami ad schools, you know, they can be cost prohibitive for communities. Sure. And so we put up 20,000 a year from Burnett. And then we also run charity events through month of November where we're bringing money in. We've got over a hundred grand now and we're just putting that together with an amazing organization. We're gonna be putting that scholarship program and educational package together, and so that's been amazing. I think we've done some really basic things as well, like the Rooney Rule. So every interview has to have a candidate from the female side, and also diversity in BIPOC and so on. So very happy to see the numbers and the stats that are coming through over the last three years. And I think it, it is changing the type of work we're doing and you know the diversity of thinking as well as the diversity of our, our makeup. Great. How about you, Kwame? You said something earlier about getting back to normal. And I, I think I've embraced this idea that we're, we're just entering a new normal. Yeah. I don't know that there's any going back. So the last normal wasn't great for everyone is how I'd describe it. And I think the reality is change is constant, you know, and if it wasn't a pandemic, something else would have motivated a lot of change in the world. Maybe not all at once. <laughs> it just happened in a very concentrated period of time, which, again, we didn't have any option, so we have to embrace it. We, we've got to roll with it and make the best of it. And I think one of the things I'm very excited about is we started Kin in 2019. And unlike, you know, 
where, where Ben is, where there's decades of history and legacy and uh, infrastructure, we were able to design something from the ground up, from scratch. And so we were lucky. We were able to embrace a lot of concepts that I think people take for granted today, but you know, remote work and flexible work, building from a place where we didn't really have to think too hard about equity and inclusion because we were able to, from the beginning... It's baked in. Yeah, bake it all in. So I, I think we're very lucky from that perspective, but we're also trying to figure out ways to impact the industry more broadly. And there's a lot I'm doing through my not-for-profit Saturday morning, but there's also work we're doing at Kin and even through the industry with DNAD and a bunch of other organizations to advance getting more historically excluded groups in the business, but also keeping them in the business. It's one thing to get people in, but someone said this to me and it really stuck. If you're inviting someone to a party, you're really missing the opportunity. The best thing to do is put them on the party planning committee. Help them create the space so that when that space is built, it's more comfortable and open. And that's what I hope the industry pushes for. I think there's a lot of conversation about the pipeline right now, and that's great. But what we really need to do is create a sense of belonging for lots of different types of backgrounds and experiences and perspectives, because that's what's going to inform the work and make the work better. I know I'm not the interviewer, but I heard you talk about Saturday morning when we first introduced yourself. It was born in the wake of a lot of the violence that we saw in the summer of 2016. So here in the U.S., a lot of young black men were being killed by the police. It was pretty tragic. My co-founders and I felt there was just an opportunity for us who had you know, grown up in advertising and really you know, cut our teeth on building these big global brands to take those skills and apply them to the challenge of racial bias and injustice. So Saturday morning was born then, and we were fortunate. You know, we were warmly embraced by the industry and immediately got a few sort of inbound calls from you know, Mark Pritchard at P&G and Spotify and Facebook and IBM, the list goes on. And working with those brands, we've been able to co-create really impactful programs that help elevate the conversation on those issues. It's been a ton of fun. It's also been a lot of work. I love that you're doing that while you are like getting the company off the ground. <laughs> I'm impressed. As someone who's trying to build an agency myself, I mean, we just started 19 months oh, ago. Wow. We're trying to do the same thing. You know, we're, we're trying to build a culture that's inclusive and all that kind of stuff. And it's hard and it's a lot of work. And I'm going to steal a lot of y'all's <laughs> ideas. Kwame is my new motivational coach. It's been a ton of fun. And I feel like, you know, it's not work if you're really passionate about it. And everyone, you know, has their thing they're doing day to day. But we come together nights and weekends and it doesn't feel arduous or tough because we're able to, you know, work collaboratively and also be very focused, which helps get a lot done. Yeah. And meanwhile, you got clients that need their work done, too. So, yeah, 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 for sure. The client piece is always interesting. Saturday morning. That's the name, right? The name was born out of a Martin Luther King quote. It talks about how Sunday is the most divisive day in America because we all go to our different houses of worship. And in that moment, we're never more apart when we're doing that. But so what if we made Saturday morning an opportunity for us to convene and to find common ground and to collaborate and work together? And yeah, it was really inspiring. Yeah, that's even deeper. I thought it was just that was the only time you guys had. It's that too, but but it's more the MLK quote. Wow. Well, you guys are on the transformative business impact and creative use of data jury. That's a lot. I'm just radio. Jury discussion day, the metal discussion day is tough. It's a long day. And by the end of it, I know my brain is always mush. So you guys seem to be holding up uh, pretty good. Good. We had a great group, actually. Awesome group. And it didn't feel like a long day. A lot of good discussion and debate. And I love that we were able to convince each other of things. I think everyone had strong opinions, but was open to discussion, debate, you know. 
it was nice to push on certain things and have those perspectives embraced, I guess. Yeah, and it can get heated, but everybody really does seem, at least, you know, at this show, like they want to award the best work, not personal agendas or whatever. It's like, no, we want the best thing to win because it kind of reflects on us. It was really respectful, really fun. And yeah, like you say, we pushed ourselves to be hard about what was going to meddle at the top. You know, it is about world-class work. What was the three pieces that Adrian kept pushing? There were a couple. But maybe before I answer that, it was also interesting for us because our category is a bit newer. And there were lots of areas where we were able to refine, I guess, the interpretation of the category descriptions. I think we had quite a few conversations about moving certain pieces of work into different, you know, subcategories, like within our, our broader category, just because we, we knew they'd be more successful. And I think there was good opportunity for us to elevate work that really deserved to be talked about. And I like that this show allows that flexibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe they got confused. They entered it in the wrong category, but it, exactly. it's worth recognition. We should move it. It happens all the time. So I'm glad that that happens at other yeah. juries as well. And, you know, the three criteria that Adrian and our jury president established were is it world first, is it world class, or is it world changing? Man, I'm stealing And it was interesting that. looking at the work through that lens because it really just parses a lot of things out, especially as you get into the trophy discussions about what should be grand versus gold versus silver. All right, so moving on to the work and the judging. You are judging the transformative business impact and creative use of data. So obviously we all think our creative is transforming business. That's kind of what we think we're supposed to do. But like sort of break that down. What does that mean, transformative business impact? It's pretty broad. So when you look at it, what are your criteria when you're judging work? And I know those three you just said are a great start. The is it world first, world class, or world changing? Firstly, it is quite a new category to the show. And there was even talk amongst the jury of, of providing a bit of feedback on maybe what could be different. I think, though, they did a really good job of kind of giving us the guidelines within the subcategories. But ultimately, it couldn't be just a campaign. It had to last in the world. It had to have some form of major transformation within an organization, a client organization. And ultimately, you'd look at some of this work and think the energy, the time that it would have taken to put this into the world. You know, you're talking about years, not months. You know, when you're coming up with a new sustainable product that completely reimagines the entire ecosystem of um, supply chain in fashion, and that's not done overnight. No. And so for us, business transformation and the impact it had on the business, it had to be truly transformational. And yeah, I think time was a good piece of that, but also just imagining what the organization had to go through, the difficulties and the challenges. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's inside the four walls of the brand, but also beyond. How is it changing how you approach what you do, you know, what you make? But Ben touched on this, but I, I think it was also a big piece of how we assess things is, is it having a broader impact on society, on culture, on the planet? I mean, these are all very important metrics, you know? And I think the enduring nature of what you are, you know, aiming to do as a brand factors in, because I think the world needs a lot right now. You know, and that's one of the themes that I picked up on just looking at all the work. A lot of what we awarded in the end was doing quite a lot to advance an issue in society. 
you know, and I don't know that this was on purpose. I just think we kind of landed there as we were looking at, but I think, you know, brands are really leaning into their responsibility to be a good actor. Does it make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt like it was 85% of the entries. Yeah. And I think the only difference was it felt like it wasn't this time coming from the causes themselves, like the charitable pro bonos. It was, as you say, brands picking up the mantle, showing that transformation, you know, and commitment to things that were broader than just selling the things that they needed yeah. to yeah. sell. Is that an agency idea or is that like from within the brand marketing or is it all mixed up together? It's funny, we talked about that as we started assessing the work and I think we agreed it almost didn't matter, you know, because I think in the best instances, agencies are inspiring brands, brands are inspiring agencies, but also I think ultimately it's consumers. You know, if you're in a, a brand and you're talking to a millennial or a Gen Z consumer, you have to care about this because it's what they care about and they're going to prioritize your brand over any other if you do lean into some of these topics. So I think as we were looking at the work, we were very critical about let's focus on the idea and the merit of the idea and in some instances the execution of the idea and let's worry a little bit less about, oh, was that the agency, was that the brand? It almost kind of didn't matter. Well, I, I ask because <clears throat> as an agency guy myself, like let's say I have an idea, a transformative idea, we don't even usually get to talk to those people, you know, maybe who might be in a position to affect that change. So like, bravo to anybody who can actually get that done. Yeah. You know, you're kind of siloed. You're just talking to the marketing people all day, every day. But let me talk to the logistics guy. Let me talk to the supply chain guy. You know, I do feel that's a huge opportunity for agency. I spent a couple of years working in-house at a brand. And I think that was my biggest learning is agency people. We focus on talking to you know the CMO and to the heads of marketing and to people who are for the most part responsible for messaging yeah and we rarely go beyond that and there's a massive opportunity for creative thinking to help move a business move a company if it's channeled in the right way and if it's you know plugged in and connected and if it's you know strategic and thoughtful and that's part of what was very exciting for me being a part of this jury is just seeing how creative thinking could manifest in so many different ways and really help materially move a business and to be honest, it's a lot of the work that we do. We get very excited about that. You struck upon the theme that I think is absolutely correct. Like yeah. there was so much about good and causal. And I think it's right. I think we've got to see that. I think the watch out, you know, for anyone listening to this is, and it will probably sound really basic, but you've got to link it to an authentic part of the brand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we saw a lot that didn't. Yeah. And we started to question where's your role here truly like great idea but, but i'm not buying it from you yeah yeah like your bs detector goes off immediately we see it in radio and just like oh come on like <laughs> this yeah. was this is a reach and on the same token when there was something that was a bit brighter and there was a bit of levity to it it really stood out for me personally because you know you're in these rooms for a large chunk of the day and you know, I'm not saying don't don't go the causal route because it's massively important, but there's a lot of it. So, you know, nice to have some of that levity. Ben is so spot on. I think for a very long time, work in the purpose and impact space has been very earnest, but let's be honest, it hasn't been very good. And I think that's what I felt was kind of cool about being a part of this jury and to be honest, doing a lot of work in the space. And, you know, our ambition just as a company is to bring the creativity back you know, and help elevate it. And it doesn't have to be super serious and somber. Yeah, it can be funny. It can be funny. It can be, to be honest, anything we can imagine, you know, and it can still have that very, very positive outcome. And also it seems like 
the audience, like you can be more creative because the public is more like receptive to it. We're all more sort of aware and expecting this from our brands now that we want them to be plugged in. And it doesn't have to be so deathly earnest because we're not trying to raise awareness for what's going on. The awareness is already there. We're trying to tap into it. Yeah, I fundamentally believe that it is business accretive to do good. Yeah. It's not a separate conversation. You know, and I think that's a little bit of the pivot from CSR to corporate citizenship or, you know, social good or social impact. It's not a binary thing. You know, it's very, very additive. And when it's done really well, I think it's a huge accelerant for business. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about the work. Obviously, we want bold creative content, as you said. So how are the agencies pushing that creative bubble with data, for instance? Because I notice in our radio jury, there's a new category, creative use of data in radio, which we'd never had before. So we're all kind of having to dive in. But this is kind of y'all's bread and butter. So what are you seeing? What's breaking new ground? You know, obviously, a lot of it was data visualization. You could almost see the data in the work. But one of the things we awarded was the sound of data, wasn't it? It was. What does that mean? Just how the whole idea manifested itself was through sound. But it just expanded your view of what data visualization. I think we're all used to seeing it in a certain way. And that project just helped you see it in a very different way, which was exciting, I thought. I think the other big thing that we talked a lot about in the room was if the idea could live without the data, you've got to move it on pretty quickly. You mean if you take the data portion out of the work, it falls apart? It just or dies. Yeah. yeah, it just dies. That's the best work. It just couldn't exist. It was everything about it. So Yeah. There's also a project that I think we all got very excited about because it, you know, when we talk about data, we're thinking ones and zeros and we're thinking stuff that's on the internet and it's on your screen. And I think there was a project that was interesting because it took maybe the best description is analog data and made that interesting and allowed that to empower and really elevate a community. And I think that's the kind of thing that gets exciting because you're so used to seeing something in a very specific way but here comes a project that helps you see it in a much different way yeah give me an example because like when you say analog data that almost sounds like an oxymoron yeah i mean it's literally stuff that's written down and it brought it into the digital world and then used it to create a service that is very important to be honest and needed for a community i would call that groundbreaking we thought so Yeah. yeah what can we do to push those boundaries how can we keep pushing that even further. You guys are going to go back to your agencies. Obviously, I always do. I always leave this jury kind of energized, inspired, or, you know, not stealing ideas, but just sort of thinking. Where do you think we need to push? I would say the biggest learning for me was that I think a lot of us expect data to come from somewhere else or someone else. We expect that to be fed to us, you know, in the brief. But I think one of the things we saw was there was a lot of going out and collecting the data needed to make the idea what it was. Did the idea feed the data or did the data feed the idea? The data was the idea. Okay. And then it was about how do you go source that data? I think a lot of us, you know, it's like, well, where's the data analytics team? And, you know, why isn't that in the brief coming to us? I think some of the best work was obviously solving bigger problems on a brief and then went out and collected the data in ways that would fuel the idea, would give it the longevity and the life. Yeah, that's cool and well put because me, you know, I'm a writer. I'm not a data guy. You know, I'm just letters and (laughs) and punctuation and all that kind of stuff. But then when you judge ideas and you're like, man, how did they even come up with that? How did they even find the information that they needed to feed that idea? Because like you said, if the idea is all about the data, the statistics or the info, without it, it doesn't work. So 
It's almost like kicking an egg almost. The other big thing was Spotify. <laughs> was huge. Well, I was just about to ask about trends. So was that a trend? I'm noticing it in, obviously in audio. A, a Spotify playlist seems to be a <laughs> get on the shortlist free car. <laughs> yeah, there was probably five or six ideas coming through that. There were a few. There were a few. In data specifically for Spotify. There was some great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, some fun stuff. Very on brand though, you know? Yeah. The whole brand is about data and, and how to make that human and deliver it back to you in a form that you can consume and enjoy and I think they do a really nice job just as a brand. I'm noticing on our jury a trend towards using data to customize creative to in some cases an audience of 14 people or maybe we're talking about the same the same piece here. Definitely. Pretty impressive and also a ton of work (laughs) just to make you know, customized creative without an algorithm, you know, without one of those assemblers, like to literally create individual pieces. It's a ton of work. And I think the reason we're probably seeing it, and I'll I'll probably do myself no favors here and I'll sound like a bit archaic, but I still don't think enough of the platforms are open enough to allow ideas to get through. And that's why we're seeing a lot of Spotify because they embrace it. They understand that they're a platform you know, that can reach a lot of audiences, that can do a lot of interesting things for brands. Yeah, they seem open to almost anything. Yeah, and I think we saw some stuff from Waze as well, and I think they're another platform that's just open. I wish more of the platforms would have that kind of mindset because I think we'd start to see this category just explode. Because, you know, let's be honest, a few numbers of platforms hold the most interesting data. I've seen unbelievable ideas, ideas that could save lives, you know, back at our shop. And it can't go anywhere because of the... The platform is just too rigid, yeah. And just being able to get through their development cycles of like three years and where you're prioritized. So, you know, again, if there's platform people out there listening. It almost seems like everything needs to become almost like a wiki. Like it's outside generated content and it's just a free platform. And, you know, obviously they have to monetize it, but I'm seeing more and more like you could put anything on there. Yeah, whatever, we'll take it. Like, it's crazy. It's funny because I think to me that's a little bit of the promise of Web3, right? Is taking all the things we learned through the process of building huge companies like Facebook, Meta, and Google, and think about what the next iteration of the internet is going to be. And I feel, especially early days of Web2, there was so much opportunity to build new behaviors and new connections and communities and It was very exciting, you know, and I think we're at the beginning of that again, you know, as the hardware gets better and as the bandwidth, it's from my standpoint, just a massive opportunity for us creative thinkers to imagine what that future could be and hopefully, you know, make it happen. Yeah, well, I'm still trying to master Web 1, (laughs) but my MySpace page is awesome. Like I've got 47 like followers. It's great. Hey, if you had a Second Life profile, I mean, you should have hung on to that. I should have. It's about to be, you know. Could I FTE it or something? <laughs> Sell it for whatever. All right, guys, you've been awesome. Is there just anything you'd like to add, delve deeper to? The quality of work was incredible. There were things in there that just gave me goosebumps. There were things that just made me so sick and with jealousy. I just wish I'd done that. And I just think, you know, this show... LIA Creative for Creatives. Just a reminder out there that just never giving up on the big ideas that you've got. You know, you see the fortitude that must happen to get these ideas into the world. And it is tough to get these big ideas through, but just to keep going and keep believing in those ideas and keep pushing and find others around you that want to push and the clients that want to push work as well, because 
we're seeing it and you know to Kwame's point like creativity can do so much in the world yes for good but also for the explosion of business success and so never give up to your point this show always gives me the best kind of imposter syndrome I see these great ideas in the same industry I'm in and I'm like what am I doing here these are so great you know, like it just inspires you, but you get that little moment, that jealousy of just like, man, I don't know if I could have come up with that. How about you, Kwame? You get the last word. I think I'll just say thank you. It's nice to be in person again and to hang out with Ben and be in a room with a bunch of other creative people talking about ideas, I think. It felt like a reunion, right? It felt good. And, you know, I think someone was sharing. It's much harder in some instances to create the same energy and sense of community and have discussion and debate and still keep the energy good on Zoom or virtually. So I, I think that's always going to have a role. It's just, I think, the reality of the world moving forward. But I think it's cool to also find opportunities to convene and to spend some time together and to talk about what we do in its best form, which I think has incredible power to create change and inspire things in people. Ben Tarr is the president of Leo Burnett Group Toronto, and Kwame Taylor-Hayford is an entrepreneur and the co-founder of KIN. They're both judges in the 2022 London International Awards. I'm Chris Smith, principal and chief creative officer of Plot Twist Creativity and one of three hosts of Created for Creatives. The producer is Sarah Knights. The theme music is by Brian Yessian of Yessian Music. The manager is Larissa Levy from the London International Awards. This is an Eardrum production. Eardrum production.